say, uh, dirtbag. This is Kid Schreiner, the voice of the Green Arrow, and you are listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUReview.com and on your favorite podcast app. The original Justice League has become a memory. I am resigning from the Justice League. What's going to happen to the League now? We rebuild from the ashes of that great conflict. A new team has arisen. A much, much bigger team. Each of you brings something different to the table. Old friends, new heroes. And as usual, plenty of bad guys jumping up to get beat down. Calm down, and I'll let you go. How about you kiss my ass? Watch out, evildoers. There's nowhere to run. Because this year, they're all around you. The League is unlimited. Original series starring every superhero worth cheering for, and then some. Justice League Unlimited. Where am I exactly? Among friends. There's strength in numbers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 149 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter page, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to another edition of the DCAU Review, the 149th one, to be exact. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's people say the 149th episode is that's the big one right it's, it's all downhill from here so we, we finally uh, yeah, might have figured it out here at this point <laughs> <laughs> yes but uh, yes we are excited to continue on reviewing yet another episode of justice league unlimited this week and uh, one that exclusively focuses on non-original seven uh, justice league characters at that yeah, it's an interesting episode. That's for sure. Um, I think I think it's uh, it's it's really an encapsulation of ultimately what Justice League Unlimited became, or or one of the benefits to having a show with such a large cast. And I I think in one of the interviews, or maybe even one of the the 
the soundtracks or the the commentary tracks for the DVDs, the creators really talked about the ability to branch outside of the the heroes that they had been used to 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 featuring. Obviously, they had told so many Batman stories and and so many Superman stories, and then so many Batman and Superman with his you know with and friends stories. Uh, so for them to kind of make the sandbox much larger and to get out there and to really have the freedom uh, kudos to the, the, the network cartoon network and, and the, the people that at WB that were like, sure, take these characters that are, you know, second and third tier characters in the, in the DC universe and do a show because they built up so much goodwill with the storytelling and obviously the music and the animation and everything that we talk about every week. But I think this is a great example of that. And of course, I think you mentioned uh, this is this week's episode. We are covering the cat and the canary. And that episode originally aired according to the DCAU wiki, at least on February 5th, 2005 which means we uh, just celebrated the 16 year anniversary of that episode liam before we get started in breaking down this unique episode i know you have the in- official internet movie database description rip roaring and ready to go that's right and as you mentioned cal this is for the episode the cat and the canary which was written by Stan Berkowitz and Robert Goodman, directed by Joaquin DeSantos, with music by the Dynamic Music Partners and animation by DR Movie Co. And that synopsis reads as such. Black Canary convinces Green Arrow to help her save her mentor, Wildcat, from his involvement in an underground super-powered fight club known as Meta Brawl. Hey, that's a pretty good one. I didn't find any fault with that one. Succinct to the point. Uh, we didn't meander around. We didn't. We didn't have any extra syllables thrown in there, like we were trying to fill up a bunch of space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that one. And uh, from there, I guess we can kind of jump into our plot. But yeah, it's it, it's interesting the way this story sort of unfolds. We start with Black Canary. Uh, she's taking down some some thugs who are trying to, I guess, smuggle guns or sell guns. It's not quite clear what they're doing, but they're up to no good. And uh, she's she's waiting on backup from Wildcat, who is seemingly uh, occupied fighting some uh, uh, supervillain. Um, but as as we come to find out, once she finally takes down all these guys, there happens to be a laptop left over from one of the thugs who was watching this uh, secret internet uh, dark web fight club, super powered fight club uh, that happens to be showing the main event of that event, which happens to feature Wildcat himself. I don't think this one's getting up again. And that means we have a winner. Still the undefeated champ. Wildcat. Cat! 
what I liked about this, as we're going through here and talking about the plot, mm-hmm. what I liked about this was that the action of the fight scene with, and we, you know, we may talk about that eventually. We're going to have a lot to talk about in visuals. So I figured I might mm-hmm. throw in some visual stuff here in the plot also, but they <laughs> match up, they match up the fighting that, the, that the canary is doing with this gang, uh, with the play by play that's happening at the same time for the, for the, the fight. And you don't quite get the reveal that the wildcat is the person that's in the fight until the, you know, the, until the, the screen, turns around and and you see them announce that it's ted wildcat grant yeah i think that's that's yeah it's clever you have the the voiceover of roulette who's sort of the the villainous fight fight promoter um you know uh, announcing the fight and talking about how this is we're watching a legend in their prime and and uh, the opponent just can't measure up to the to the to the to the fighter skills matched up with uh, Black Canary just tearing through these guys. It's a it's a really creative, uh, fun scene. Um, and yeah, that's that's sort of our uh, our our jumping off point though. Is as we go up to the Watchtower briefly, we see Green Arrow training out of costume. We get a, a good amount of uh, Oliver Queen in this episode, as well as uh, his alter ego and uh, Black Canary sort of. S- I would say she kind of swindles him. Um, <laughs> well, or, it's or funny. Hustles they, him, right? Yeah. Like she, she, she lets him think she's not good at fighting and needs need. And, uh, and so he, he tries to give her some pointers and then she makes the bet where he'll, he'll help her sort of off the books without letting the rest of the league know what's going on. If she can, uh, if she can best him. And then immediately she just beats the tar out of him. Black Canary. Green Arrow. I've noticed you around. I know. You happy punching the bag or you want to go a few rounds with me? I am talking about sparring. That'd be nice too. You're telegraphing. You gotta center yourself. Center myself. Got it. good you should see me when i'm trying i'd like that in fact i could use your help on something but the leak can't know i'll explain once we're on the surface i don't know sounds fishy i promise it's for a good cause how about a wager if i can get out of this hold you help me deal drive yeah it's great and and there's a there's kind of a throwaway line that obviously comes back into play later on we learn uh she's aware that uh oliver queen must have sold the dcau uh, queen industries or or whatever his company was and made several billion dollars there's some witty repartee back and forth with the amount of money that he is he has obtained, but that of course comes into play later on as they are attempting to find tickets to this underground uh, fight venue. And it, at that point, it appears that the Green Arrow thinks 
of himself as possibly being swindled. He's already up to something or if it feels like black canary may be using her uh, sexuality and, and attractiveness to perhaps, uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of, kind of swindle him as you, as you stated. So, and that only seems to continue as we move through and, and uh, she has her first interaction that we see uh, with the, with, uh, with wildcat. Yeah, and that's 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 sort of an interesting little. It's a little like Han Solo misinterpreting things in Return of the Jedi, yep. uh, type vibes, uh, where she Black Canary's obviously very concerned about Wildcat, and uh, that's sort of the 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 Wildcat side of things is that he was this great prize fighter. They say he was the world heavyweight champion, um, this prize champion boxer, and he feels like he is nearing the end of his his time being able to be that guy uh he said he talks about how he's he's mostly on babysitting duty and they don't even send him out of the watchtower when he when he is uh on duty for the justice league so he just he's just a guy who wants to fight and he talks about how all these all these other shoot these super villains that he's fighting in the club they all deserve a beating so he's in his head he's still sort of dispensing justice while also kind of getting to relive that rush and the thrill and the roar of the crowd and all that. So it's interesting to kind of see his, his pride in wanting to sort of regain that past glory. And also at the same time, like he's sort of logicked it in his head where he's like, well, I'm still fighting bad guys and doing good stuff, but it just, it just happens to be in front of a cheering crowd while I do it. Yeah, is that that there's two conversations that happen. There's one between Roulette and Wildcat initially, where it's kind of clear that she almost manipulates him and sort of goads him into continuing and sort of presses on that idea. You know, she mentions that he's one of the only members of the league that doesn't have powers and he doesn't even have a fancy utility belt like Batman and with all those gadgets. So he literally uses his fists so he kind of finds his identity obviously in that past success as a boxer that he's translated into this success as both a superhero and and a trainer of uh, many of the the members of the league as we find out later as well so it's interesting uh that he he kind of longs for that and then we see uh, we see the this interaction between him and and canary where he is he is convinced uh that he has no role in the justice league he's overlooked he's an afterthought uh he's just there as you said to as he mentions to babysit and uh he's worried of kind of being passed over and 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 being too washed up and it's not only is he sort of uh proving it to himself it seems it seems like he wants to prove the justice league wrong as well that hey i still have some gas left in the tank uh and i so and i'm not going down without a fight pun intended uh you know so it's it's a sort of one of those classic you know i i haven't seen a lot of them but it's it seems like a you know a john wayne or you know in in his prime or or in his later years or even even nowadays more of a a clint eastwood like hey this guy is a legend this guy thinks was at one point in time the man and now he has to prove to all these young younger people that hey he can still go he's still got gas in the tank here he's not ready to hang it up just yet and uh yeah unfortunately 
I mean, fortunately for him or unfortunately, this relationship that he has with Canary, which, as we mentioned, uh, Oliver seems to misinterpret as more of a romantic relationship. But she is very clear to correct him and sh- to explain that it's a, a father like relationship, uh, father daughter like relationship that they share. What are you putting me in the middle of this for? You guys obviously have your own stuff to work out. What stuff? I'm trying to help a friend. That sure looked like you were more than friends. Did you think Ted is like a father to me? He trained me, trained a lot of us in the league, and kept an eye on us when we were starting out. I owe him. Now I guess training isn't enough anymore. So you want to get him out of this quietly because you don't want him thrown out of the league. Or worse. All right. But I saw the look in his eye. He's not going to budge. Then I hope I can count on you for plan B. Uh, she's concerned that this is going to ultimately lead to either him getting kicked out of the league if they if they become aware of it, which I find it hard to believe that Batman wasn't wouldn't already be aware of an <laughs> underground fight club, like an underground UFC thing that ha- may or may not happen in the Gotham City area with a bunch like thousands of people like it's come on like bat you mean to tell me batman isn't aware of this but i guess he's a part-time member so maybe maybe he's not snitching on on wildcats uh, evening activities um but she's worried that he's gonna get this is gonna get him kicked out of the league or really that he might die and Wildcat doesn't care. He he wants none of that. He doesn't care. At, and when and when Canary and, and Arrow confront him, uh, he's he's has no interest in stopping this underground fight club. Yeah, it's a little. Uh, it's a little uh, the rock, Rocky Sticks. It's a little bit uh, the wrestler. A um, couple of you know the the any again like you said, kind of any movie where the the old fighter or old performer wants to go out and, and relive their, their former glory and, and, you know, still feel, still feeling like they're vital and still feeling like they, they have something to, uh, to contribute and, and that they're not, they're, they're not being utilized properly by the, this sort of younger generation that's beginning to replace them. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's compelling uh, and, uh, and see, sort of, but sort of filtering that story through, uh, Black Canary's eyes, and then having sort of our, I guess, the most well-known character we have to this point in the series uh, is, uh, is of course, Green Arrow, who we've seen in a few episodes already. Um, and so to see him sort of l- being a total outsider to this and, and being really sort of, like again, off-put, feeling like he's being used, and then and then uh, ultimately trying to uh to figure out how exactly they're going to they're gonna stop Wildcat from... Uh, <laughs> from from continuing to fight at first they try sort of a more direct ap- approach where they where they uh, fight off some of uh roulette's henchmen as well as a few of the other uh, uh super powered beings who are who are in the fight club um before kind of calling a truce and deciding to try to do a a more traditional final fight uh with uh, where black canary challenges wildcat where if she wins, he has to re- uh, retire from fighting, and has and Roulette has to ban him for good. And uh, but if she, but if Wildcat wins, uh, she she will uh, she will leave him alone, and he's sort of left to his own devices. And Green Arrow, perhaps as as I think Black Canary says right at the end of the episode, he's he's trying to be chivalrous, and maybe he comes off a bit more. Uh, 
uh, macho at the same time, but he uh, hits her with the old knockout gas arrow and, and takes her place in the final fight. But we actually kind of find out there's, there's actually kind of a creative reason beyond just he doesn't want his this girl he likes to get beat up. It's because he he knew that Wildcat would hit him harder <laughs> and he could therefore kind of play out this plan of uh, tasering himself to mimic the uh, the effects of death, which would sort of scare uh, scare Wildcat straight from there. Yeah, and that's kind of what we end up, uh, what ends up happening. There is a brief scene where we get a uh, atomic skull versus uh, versus Wildcat battle that's interrupted, and then, uh, as you mentioned, Canary puts this whole idea to to roulette about him putting his career on the line versus uh, her, you know, leaving him alone forever. And and in the meantime, roulette gets the, gets the publicity and the, the money for a, a fight between two active justice league members. And roulette of course is all for this. So uh, yeah. And then as you mentioned, arrow wiggles his way in and he takes a beating man. Wow. <laughs> Like that, we'll talk about it in visuals, I'm sure. But golly, that guy—he took a beating and a half. Um, it's it's established very early on that it, while he is completely and wholly a uh, a a normal, non-powered, non-metahuman, uh, Wildcat's got a heck of a punch enough to punch through a brick wall. So. <laughs> Uh, th- that that full power of those punches coming at and and just wailing on on poor Oliver Queen's face for five minutes or so uh, was was quite the scene. And as you mentioned, Oliver ends up faking his death using a taser that causes Wildcat to kind of what have I done? Look, you know, look at his hands and and decide that he's going to hang things up. Much to uh, much to Roulette's chagrin. Then, of course, uh, as 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 he's believed to be dead, uh, Black Canary comes in to, back into the ring and and decides that she's going to say her goodbye, and that's when when Oliver snaps out of it, only to uh, only to uh, to 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 trick her, and then uh, of course Wildcat comes back in, seeing that Oliver is is still alive, and thanks them for giving him a taste of what it would look like to to kill somebody in the ring. So he's. He's uh, he's decided that he's going to hang things up. The final scene is a very, very interesting, touching one. I think it's a quick to me. It seemed like it was just a quick little commentary on uh, on therapy as a whole. Uh, Mm -hmm. We see them back in the watchtower and and Wildcat and Canary are walking down uh, through one of the uh, one of the the hallways in the in the watchtower. And uh, she tells him that just because he's decided he's not going to fight this way anymore doesn't mean that he has the willpower to do so. So she opens up a room where uh, Jean Martian Manhunter is sitting and it looks like they're going to have a nice therapy session. Uh, Wildcat makes, makes a point at saying that uh, that might be the hardest thing he's ever had to do <laughs> way harder than fighting, fighting yeah. uh, physically. So it was interesting. And then we get a nice little wrap up uh, between the arrow and Canary where he tells her she has to buy him a coffee. So uh, <laughs> the, the blooming romance begins and, uh, and that, that wraps up the episode for this week. Yeah. So I guess as, as we could kind of start getting into our scores here, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, it's got a, a few different moving parts to it. Like I said, you have this sort of initial 
uh, stuff with Canary and 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 her, as you said, the sort of flirtation and, and budding romance with Green Arrow, but sort of within the context of of Green Arrow, who's sort of in this is you know feeling feeling used or feeling like he's not being told the whole truth and 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 then you know it all sort of coming up again, like we said with this story of of Wildcat, you know, not wanting to to let go of some past glory and kind of swallow some pride. Uh, but yeah, I think they, I think that ending really does, I think helps stick the landing too. both in the green arrow, taking a beating to kind of snap him out of it. But then I think it's uh, a genuine and good thing uh, to tell the audience, especially if you think of this as something for a younger audience to go, well, it's sometimes it's you can't just go, well, I'm not going to do that bad thing anymore. Like sometimes you need to you need to be able to talk to somebody. You need to be able to, you know, to hash out these feelings with someone with, a, in this case, a uh, something of a professional uh, in uh, in Martian Manhunter. And I like the, the idea that they aren't just going, well, that's it. That's done with everything's wrapped up with a nice little bow like it. They sort of established there's still going to be some work to do, but we, we know that Wildcat's kind of on the right path there which i appreciated so all things considered i thought a a pretty strong episode and i gave plot an eight out of ten nice uh yeah i really love this episode i think to me the thing the thing that stands out about it the most is that it does not have any of the original seven there's no batman there's no superman no wonder woman there's no you know there's no flash there's no green lantern this is you get a visual appearance from john but he as we mentioned is the only member of the that original seven that appears uh and the fact that they did not need any of those original seven to tell a really great story uh one that was grounded mostly in reality there's not a lot of metahuman superpowers despite the fact that that out that uh that uh, ted grant does his fighting against metahumans there's not a lot of superpowers that are used it's a lot of fists it's a lot of hip tosses it's german suplexes it's you know <laughs> it's uh fighting in a in a warehouse it's you know a lot of punching and kicking and uh, at the very end we didn't mention but uh, black canary does end up destroying roulette's arena with her with finally using her sonic scream that she was uh, un- unwilling and unable to use for fear of killing uh, any of the metahumans in the arena before. So once it's an empty arena, she uses her powers to destroy it. But uh, it is a very low tech grounded in reality type episode. And it's done with fantastic storytelling, great character development. And it's introducing two really new characters that you hadn't hadn't established before. You had established a little bit of the Green Arrow, um, and that in that was technically like the first half of that first season, or what was the first season, I guess technically. Uh, but again, it's a, still a fairly new character that you're developing here, and uh, and then two additional characters, and you really learn to care for those characters very quickly. And a lot of that, of course, we'll talk about in voice acting uh, when we get to it. But for all those reasons, I gave plot a nine out of 10. Um, I think it's, I think it's a really, really good episode. Uh, but there's, there's a lot to it. I loved, love the arc of, of Oliver's sort of, you know, he gets the chance to, to interact with this girl that he's been fawning over uh, for, for several episodes. 
he finally gets to talk to her and then he kind of gets the disappointment out of it and feels like he's being used. And then she kind of at one point does admit that she was using him, but not for the reason that he thinks that he was being used for. <laughs> so, um, and then to kind of put the bow on at the end that, Hey, we're going to go, we're going to go out for a little coffee here. And of course we know that there's, there's, uh, there's some more to come and, and more great storytelling with these two characters later on in the, in the series. Yeah. And, and to your point, like, I think nowadays this might be less believable um, because she, that character, the black canary character, multiple versions of that character uh, have been such a huge part of uh, DC live action television for the last half a decade or so. For sure. Um, but at the time, this character had never really appeared in, in other mediums. So uh, to bring her in as, you know, and, and sort of pull off in, in one episode, you kind of know everything that she's about and, you know, kind of what makes her tick and that she's tough and, uh, and smart and all of that stuff, but that she obviously has this huge heart, especially for, for Wildcat who trained her. And it's, yeah, they, they do a great job of really giving you like a crash course in, in who Black Canary is in, in one episode. And you really, you definitely at the end of this episode, is like, man, I, I'm, I'm definitely excited to watch more episodes of Black Canary in them going forward because I really like this characterization of her. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it's really strong. And we, we would be remiss to mention, even though she did make brief appearances in uh, in Initiation, uh, which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com, which we reviewed with, uh, with James from Watchtower Database. Uh, but there was an original pitch in Batman the Animated Series, from my recollection, to do a Black Canary episode. But uh, that was kind of put by the wayside. And they eventually, uh, eventually brought her in, finally, for <laughs> Justice League Unlimited. So... Uh, yes, that was uh, that was one of the victims of the Where's Robin uh, <laughs> uh, Fox Kids uh, mantra that uh, in the in the later seasons of Batman the Animated Series that every episode had to feature Robin, um, and so a, an idea for a Black Canary and Catwoman story was sort of uh, left by the wayside thanks thanks to that rule. But thankfully, uh, the 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 DC animated universe continued on for. Uh, for another decade or so and we we finally got her here a different cat in the canary story that's right Ooh, i like i like that there's some symmetry there i love it all right William, let's move on to our next category which will be visual and animation uh another uh well-directed episode here uh i as we just mentioned if you're interested in hearing some uh some commentary about the the director and who who's you know, we obviously know that role from interviewing. Uh, we had Kevin Altieri, one of the directors from Batman the Animated Series, on. Uh, mm-hmm. You can hear that episode in the archives at dcaureview.com when we reviewed uh, Off Balance. But the director has a lot of things to do and say about uh, the visuals of an episode. And this episode has a lot jam packed into a 22 minute cartoon. Yeah, it's it's there's so many uh cool little things in here from we'll uh we can get to all the little uh kind of C list supervillains that show up in a, in a minute here, but uh the first thing that uh stood out to me about this episode um is that opening fight scene with Black Canary. I guess the first thing I saw was the first thing that stood out to me, but uh it is it's so cool because it's it's her taking on all these thugs by herself. Um, but the way the fight is sort of, for lack of a better term, choreographed, 
yes. um, uh, is is really cool because she's not it's not just punches and kicks. Uh, they set up that she's very acrobatic. We see her kind of flip into the scene, but then she's she's using like different techniques. She we see her using like like judo. She's she'll like link arms with a guy and sort of use his own momentum to kind of throw him over. Uh, she runs at one point. She kind of does like a matrix thing where she runs up uh, a series of boxes and lands on the guy's shoulders and then flips backwards. In professional wrestling, that's called a reverse hurricane rana or a poison rana. Um, there you go. We're <laughs> <You're laughs> waiting for that. We were waiting for this all night, baby. That's right. The poison Rana. I got to bring that one out. But uh yes, yeah, so I like I really like that was like the first thing that stood out to me is the like it's a super unique fighting style uh compared to really anybody that I feel like we've seen up in up to this point in Justice League is just not only how that she's tough and cool and ha- and can take down all these guys at once, but how she does it. She has like really specific techniques of how she's done it. And the, the intric- intricacies of those movements, uh, again, uh, this episode directed by Joaquin DeSantos and uh, animated by uh, the DR movie company, but just the fluidity and kind of the uniqueness of that opening fight scene really stuck out to me. Yeah, I agree with you. And it continues throughout the entire episode. I, I think I mentioned that we had discussed uh, Mr. Santos's uh, his 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 directing style or DeSantos, <laughs> Mr. DeSantos uh, directing style back uh, on episode 101 in the archives, because that was something that James pointed out, the shaky cam, the, the more dynamic sort of movements that the characters have in the, in, in his directing style. It's a very, very uh, fluid there's a fluidity to everything, the way that things move mm-hmm. and, and the way that the, for lack of a better term, the way that the camera moves with the, uh, with the action. And uh, yeah, that opening fight scene, it continues uh, later on in the subsequent fight scenes. There's a, there's a scene where uh, green arrow is riding on the back of a motorcycle with black canary. And uh, there's a close up kind of over their shoulder. You can kind of see it's, it's, moving fast in the background and the background sort of blurred out, giving you that fast moving idea, but it's also close-ups on their faces as they're talking, uh, wearing the helmets. Uh, there's a lot of that where there's, there's very expressive, uh, uh, uh expressive expressions i don't know <laughs> very there's close-ups of the expressions of the of the characters faces whether they're surprised or whether they're you know a, a couple of times that green arrow gets to deliver some of his dialogue and kind of smirk speak especially when he's taunting uh a wild cat in the final fight between the two of them and um there's so there's a lot of those subtle little things that makes it feel very cinematic um more of that uh this i would say the character models in this episode were a little bit off but i think it lends a little bit to that more eastern style animation and that's what that's kind of the the style that i feel like mr DeSantos goes for is more of that that eastern you know anime quick cuts shifting cameras shaky cam 
you know, uh, different, different unique perspectives, uh, from, from different shots that, you know, a couple shots of green arrow directly porting, uh, pointing mm-hmm. his bow and arrow directly at the screen. Speaking of arrows, we might as well talk about the different arrows that, uh, that Ollie gets to use in this episode. Also, he had a handcuff arrow. He's got a net arrow. He's got an electric arrow, a bola arrow. And of course, then he uses stunner at the end that was looked like it was part of an arrow as well to, to stun himself into a uh, into a sedative state. Um, there's there's a lot of cool visual clues and, and stuff in the background. Also, the the scene in the locker room with Wildcat. I'm pretty sure there is a Rocky. One of the posters is like a very famous picture of Rocky Marciano, who is a famous boxer from the in the 40s and 50s. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a cartoon version of one of those old old time headshots or you know action poses that they would put on eight by tens. Uh, so a lot of visual stuff. I did also notice, uh, I, I kept looking for some, some, some Easter eggs in the crowd. One of the guys in one of the scenes, uh, it, going up to the ticket window, I think it's after they announced the, that black canary is going to take on wildcat looked an awful lot like Arthur Reeves from mask of the phantasm. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that or not, but had, I had didn't. A, had a little bit of a he didn't quite have the long nose but his facial structure very similar and i said you know what if arthur reeves fully recovered from you know his deal and we know that there's a tie-in comic where he comes back and all that stuff but let's just say that that isn't canon just for for canon's sake but if arthur reeves recovers and uh and completely recovers from his run-in with the joker i i I could see him getting plugged right back into high society and showing up at a underground fight in a tux. Yeah. Why not? I'll, uh, as we like to say on this show, Canon until proven otherwise. Absolutely. All right. Well, we I've held out long enough here. Uh, last thing I'll say about the fight and the action that that final fight scene between green arrow and wildcat again, just brutal, lots of fists being thrown. I cannot imagine this, being shown uh, back in the Batman animated series or Superman days. Uh, it's the benefit of kind of progressing where we have in, in society and, and it being a TV Y seven children's cartoon, I guess. Uh, but it all leads to this very, very dramatic slow motion knockout of Wildcat hitting green arrow with an uppercut and him leaving his feet and lay- landing in slow motion. Uh, very much similar to a, a knockout you would see in a boxing movie or something like that. So uh, lots of great visuals with that. I know you wanted to talk about the the various different uh, C and D list supervillains we have, meta, super metahuman villains here to talk about. So I'll throw it over to you to discuss that. Yeah, we got some real, uh, some real winners here. <laughs> but uh, starting out, we have uh, Tracer. We have Sportsmaster. We have Helgramite, Gork, <laughs> Evil Star, The Electrocutioner, and Bloodsport. Uh, interestingly, there is a different version of Bloodsport that shows up in the uh, most recent DCAU project, the uh, uh, Justice League versus the Fatal Five movie. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the guy sort of holding the, the news. Uh, the news station hostage at the start of that movie that Batman and Miss Martian uh, deal with is, is also blood sport. So I guess there's, there's more than one in the, uh, in the universe, but uh, yeah, I, I, so we just have a bunch of like real deep cut villains, uh, none of whom are uh, particularly big, uh, 
big names, but I, I, I liked that they threw in sort of action. You know, another another way we talked about that. How many, how many DC heroes we see and uh, just kind of standing around a lot in the uh, in the Watchtower scenes of this show. So to throw in a few extra supervillain cameos as well as a, a pretty cool little uh, uh, nod as well. Yeah, there was there was some of those uh, cute little nods there, and uh, you know, it, it, guys that you wouldn't know super deep cuts, which of course we know that that's one of the things that we love about this justice league unlimited show is how deep into the DC, you know, media library they had to dig in order to get some of these guys out. Um, I, I will, one last thing I'll say about that final fight between green arrow and, and, and wildcat was when he, when green arrow just continues to taunt him throughout the entire fight, <laughs> and which leads to, to green arrow just before this final blow, he, he gives his line. I don't have any powers and you're still too old to knock me out. And th- they zoom in on, on wildcat's face and his eyes get wide. And then he, you know, he get he, you know, he's coming with all of it at that point. Cause he, <laughs> he stares directly into the camera and just rears back Really, really great, great visual there. I don't have any powers. And you're still too old to knock me out. enough smart guy huh get up i'm not done what have you done i'll tell you what he's done he's taken the fights to a whole new level Think of the word that'll spread from this. Anything's possible here. Next time you fight, we'll clear millions! No. No, I'm out. And this time, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. And as we talked about the sort of brutality of that fight, even the shot there where Green Arrow's down and then... And Wildcat's still kind of taunting him, and then he he kind of rolls him over, and you see him go down to check the pulse, and he he picks up the wrist, and then it drops in slow motion, and kind of lays motionless, and it's this big get. We get this big gasp, and then it kind of cuts to the crowd, who then just just lose their minds. They're so excited that they just saw a man die, um, and uh, yeah, I I thought that uh, that that whole final final fight as well is uh, is quite a bit of fun, so. All things considered, I think definitely. Uh, I don't think everything's a home run. I think there's something we actually mentioned maybe back in that in that uh, episode 101 initiation that, especially with the female characters, I feel like there's the faces are just very round in certain shots, mm-hmm. and like look they they look like they have a, a strange consistency to them. Uh, but uh, still, overall, I think a really strong visual episode, and I actually gave visuals a nine out of ten. 
Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't do a lot of hating on this this episode, but I think the character models were very inconsistent throughout the entire episode. They are more it's funny, I had I don't know if this is disagreement alarm worthy, but I had written down like a little more angular, not round, but a little more angular at, at times. There's very I think we we did mention it last week uh, during last week's episode. Also, sometimes when the shots are a little bit further away than, uh, you know, with characters in the background, their eyes are like weirdly facing different directions. Yeah, um, there's just something off a little bit about it so as fantastic as all of those visuals were there were at times where i was like oh that's that's not a good look for the canary or (laughs) there was there was definitely some inconsistency also with the like hair placement sometimes her face was filled up you know till to all the way up to like where her hairline was sometimes it was very small um Green Arrow's size at times seemed to be very inconsistent. Also, uh, there were some nitpicky things that I saw about like a turtleneck this on the DCAU wiki about a turtleneck sliding off as if it was a button up shirt, stuff like that. I, I won't, I won't like go that far about it, but there was certainly some things as far as inconsistencies in the way the characters were drawn. So for that reason, my score also same exact score as yours, nine out of 10, still visually a very fun, interesting, uh, entertaining episode, in my opinion. Yeah, even uh, the the sort of brief fight we get between Wildcat and Atomic Skull, uh, just like he's he's hitting the skull over and over again. You kind of see like the jaw uh, start to crack a little bit. He's hitting him so much, and Wildcat's hands begin to glow as I guess the radiation is is uh, is starting to burn his hands a little bit. Uh, so yeah, there's some really clever little things that I think make up for some of those uh, larger inconsistencies throughout the episode. And I, I think our, our last visual note, we'd be remiss not to mention that the, uh, the man that uh, sells, sells the uh, uh, green arrow and black canary, the tickets to Meta brawl happens to look a lot like the Sasha Baron Cohen character, Ali G <laughs> uh, maybe a coincidence uh, seems seemed pretty on the nose. So uh, that that might actually date this a little bit more than uh, than most other things were, but thankfully they don't also like try to have him do a, an impression or anything. So he doesn't do Borat it's just or, or anything. Yeah, like it's just a visual. It's just a visual nod. Thankfully, it's true. All right, all right, Liam. Well, let's move on to our next category for the day, and that is going to be our music. Uh, I believe you said dynamic music partners again. Uh, yes, specifically, uh, Christopher Carter and Michael McQuistion are the two credited in this episode. That's right. Uh, I think I can pencil down Dynamic Music Partners for the entire series. But yes, individually here, uh, Mr. McQuistion and, and Mr. Carter uh, responsible for this music. Uh, so I, I will say that uh, there were very specific strong points that I felt that the music stood out for this. We do get the return of the Green Arrow theme, which I am all for. Uh, played in fantastic electric guitar. And then uh, during the fight scenes also <laughs> uh, between uh, Wildcat and some of these metahumans uh, and the music actually in the o- very opening scene uh, between Black Canary and the, the thugs in the warehouse. Uh, very, very strong in those things. What did you have as far as musical notes were concerned? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a ton this week. I uh, I I did make note of the the returning Green Arrow theme, specifically in the moment where 
uh, Wildcat and the Thomas Skull are fighting and uh, Green Arrow fires the handcuff arrow and the arrow attaches Wildcat's hand to the, uh, to the cage. It plays uh, quite triumphantly and all rocked up there, which is a, a great moment as, as Arrow and Canary uh, enter the scene. Um, other than that, like uh, other than some of the, the action music, I, I think I, I more noticed uh, it didn't seem like there was like a strong black Canary theme, which I feel like, uh, and again, I don't want to pretend like music composition is easy, but uh, so I'm not, a, I'm not critic. It's not a criticism, but it's just something where this character, she's such a focal point of this episode that you kind of, I, I was kind of hoping she would have some sort of, at least like a brief refrain that sort of uh, we went back to, but um, overall, I, I certainly didn't have any problems with the, with the music. I just uh, there weren't a ton of big standout moments for me, uh, and I ended up giving music a five out of ten. Oh wow! All right. Well, I don't know if it's if it's quite disagreement alarm worthy, but I felt like the the music during the fight scenes and the Green Arrow theme uh, were very very strong. I thought that the music played even during that final fight scene between. Uh, Green Arrow and Wildcat. I keep wanting to call him Black Cat, but it's not. It's Wildcat. Uh, <laughs> Wildcat. <laughs> different show. Diff- very different characters. Uh, <laughs> one is a uh, you know an attractive person in a in a skin tight outfit that uh, Spider Man's very attracted to, and the other one is Black Cat, of course. So. <laughs> Boom! You gotta go. You think I'm going right, and I go left. You got me there. That was a swerve, son. Crossover. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I ended up enjoying those musical touches enough. I love the Green Arrow theme. I, I, I don't disagree with you that we could have had a, a more uh, triumphant or more overt Black Canary theme, uh, even even maybe a Wildcat theme as well. One that was a little more pronounced maybe than than the the drumming and bass that was in the background uh, seemingly during his fight scenes. But uh, with that said, uh, I, I did uh, make some good musical notes here. Uh, I, I appreciated what they what they did for the episode and gave it a seven out of ten. Nice. All right. All right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final category for the day, and that is going to be our voice acting. Uh, We have a couple of returning voices here. Well, not a huge cast, actually. Uh, We have a couple of familiar voices that we'll talk about. One whom we've tried, I think we've talked about several times already uh, in in the DCAU that we (laughs) we were like, hey, where have we talked about this person before? I I remember that specifically the last time we talked about her. Uh, So excited to introduce some new characters and certainly a a kind of an acting legend uh, that you may know by name. So let's let's discuss today's voice cast, shall we? Yeah, so let's uh, let's start with the main villain of the piece, that being Roulette, and uh, is a, a veteran actress named Virginia Madsen, who folks might know from Sideways, uh, Candyman, sort of a legendary horror movie. Uh, more recently, she actually uh, had a pretty significant role in the the short-lived Swamp Thing live-action series, um, and she was she was quite good in that show. That show was for being a straight to DC streaming service show that tens of people were watching. Uh, she was, she was very good on it. The, that show is show is pretty, was pretty great. Uh, would, would have loved to have seen a follow-up in some way, but, uh, uh, but yeah, she, but uh, she plays roulette here and she, she doesn't have a big role because again, the real villain of the story, I guess is wildcats pride. <laughs> 
so <laughs> she doesn't really have to be like overly like mustache twirling uh, evil she's she's just this fight promoter who's doing whatever she can to kind of keep her prized attraction in wildcat uh, coming back for more when it comes to the fight. I, I think she does a good job. It's, you know, it's not like an all time great performance, but you know, she plays a, a good sleazy fight promoter. And I assume she comes back when we see roulette follow up in a later episode playing the same role. Uh, so we, we will get to see more of her as she, in her return. Uh, but yeah, there's not a lot that's asked for. I think that she doesn't, like you said, she doesn't have to be an over the top Skeletor evil villain. Um, so I, I appreciate that. It's a little bit understated. It's a little bit, she has a little bit of sensuality to her voice as she's making the appeal to, to wildcat in, you know, to try and convince him to, to stay and to fight, uh, and, and a little bit of devious nature and, and seeing her, her ultimate evil as she decides that really she's just concerned about the money and that's all that she wants. So when she hears that she's going to get uh, the opportunity to feature two justice leaguers fighting, uh, she is absolutely thrilled and not afraid to show it. So yeah, I think her, I think her performance is fine. Yeah, and uh, then of course we have uh, Dennis Farina uh, playing Wildcat, the the late Dennis Farina. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. But uh, you talk about a guy who's just like the epitome of like, oh, it's that guy. Like this guy has been in so many things uh, over the years, including Get Shorty, uh, Manhunter, Midnight Run. Uh, <laughs> memorably uh if you watch the the fox sitcom new girl he uh he played uh uh nick miller's dad on a couple episodes of that this like kind of sleazy con man character um uh who's who's quite a bit of fun on there just a great uh first little actor he could kind of do he could do the more serious roles he could do a lot of comedy if you need him to and who uh, who did a fair amount of uh, voice acting as well on things like the Looney Tunes show, as uh, as well as uh, some other sort of young younger uh, you know uh, programming for younger children as well. And uh, I think he does a good job because he's just kind of again there he's playing this stubborn stubborn old guy. He's playing this stubborn old guy, as you said, the sort of the Clint Eastwood, the John Wayne type. <laughs> yeah. What is this? We want to help you, Ted. We want to get you out of here. Why, does it look like I have a problem? You do if you don't see what you've become here. You're entertainment for these people. The rooster in a cockfight. Fighting is what I do, all right? It's all I was ever good at, and I'm still good at it. I'm Wildcat, the guy who fights. That's what I am. You're so much more than that. Anyway, I can leave anytime I want. I don't need help. Then leave. Right now. Uh, fighting Atomic Skull tonight, and you know he deserves a beating. Ted, come on. Hey, I was the greatest, all right? I fought them all, and I beat them all. And now look at me. Most of the time, they keep me up in that stupid spaceship babysitting. They call me to do real work less and less. Don't you think I see where this is going? I mean, I don't shoot beams from my eyes. I, I can't turn myself invisible. I don't even have a supersonic bird call. So that's it? You're angry at people with powers and down here you get to beat on them? Am I getting too close now? Hey! Settle down! How's this your business, huh? Stay out of it, Ollie. That's it. I'm done. And I think he doesn't... There's really not until the very end 
does he really show much emotion in his performance but i think that works because that's sort of the whole point right it's this guy from an older generation who doesn't know how to cope with these feelings of inadequacy and getting older so he's kind of hiding it all and then it finally kind of gets through to him right at the end when he you know nearly or at least in his eyes nearly kills someone yeah i i think he's he's i think i think you can usually tell that an actor is 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 going to do a great job if you look at their look at their uh their imdb page or their wikipedia page and you see that they had a role on one of the the dick wolf uh executive producer dick wolf's uh law and order shows <laughs> as we know and have talked about many times on here uh we stand ice ice tea for that That's reason right. Uh, we we will defend uh, the acting chops of Ice T <laughs> to to the grave uh, to our deaths, if you will. So uh, the fact that Mr. Farina, uh, who unfortunately uh, passed away, uh, you know he 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 the fact that he sh- he had a role or or a period of time where he was on on two different Law and Order shows, I think sh- shows that he has quite the versatile uh, acting range. And yeah, he plays, he, all he has to do is play the grizzled veteran and that's not necessarily didn't seem like it was a stretch for him. He was, you know, a, a little older as he's doing this, uh, pr- doing this role. Uh, so it was a role he did well. I think his voice has some character to it as well. Uh, it brings that sort of grizzled, uh, you know, been through a lot. We don't get a whole lot of information other than he, you know, he was a boxing champion for a time. Uh, we don't get a whole lot to, to hear about, you know, what or if he had much of a career as a as a crime fighter. But it's interesting that that he plays that role and it, we sort of get a very modeled after a, a old box, you know, a Rocky movie or a, you know, a, a mm-hmm. heroes coming back to prove that he still has some in the tank. And they picked a guy that, that was no, that was no spring chicken and, and kind of was perfect for that role. So yeah, I agree with him. I agree with you. He did a fantastic job brings a lot of character through his voice, through his acting, through the tone that he uses. And I think that, that scene with him and black Canary uh, is, is a standout as far as I'm concerned for the whole episode. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and speaking of black Canary, we'll get to our, our two leads here. We have a uh, Ken Schreiner, uh, who you heard intro our show this week. Thank friend you, of the Mr. show. Schreiner. Friend of the show. Uh, Ken Schreiner returning as Green Arrow. And then, of course, as we said, we have talked about her a couple of times. I think most recently on our uh, the last episode of Batman Brave and the Bold, we reviewed uh, Morena Baccarin, uh, who, of course, you would know from Deadpool or Firefly or Gotham or a million other things. A uh, very talented actress uh, playing Black Canary here. And I really think uh, uh, her strength, both with the... Uh, with uh with Dennis Farina as as Wildcat and with the again the sort of flirtatious but still a little bit adversarial at least as 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 the episode goes on with uh relationship with uh with Green Arrow I think she does a she does a really good job kind of being she's she's doing most of the heavy lifting in this episode yeah, she has a lot of dialogue. She has a range of emotion that she has to show. Clearly, I mean, we've mentioned it before. She is a very talented actress. Um, you know, kind of, kind of underrated. Uh, I think maybe hasn't had a ton. I don't know. Deadpool was a pretty big movie, and she was in 
two of those. So maybe, maybe not as underrated as, as I think, but, um, <laughs> or as under, underexposed as I, I think, but yeah, she's very, very talented. She has a, she, the voice performance that she does in this has to show a range of emotion from this sort of sultry, seductive type uh, you know, luring Oliver into this flirtatious situation in the beginning where she kind of tricks him then into, into, uh, into helping her out. And then this, again, the next scene where she's sort of negotiating with the, with the Ali G character for the, the tickets and there's some more interaction there. And then that pivotal scene between her and wildcat where she's sort of pleading with him to, to give this up before something bad happens. And then, uh, even, even after that, uh, you know, the interaction that she has to have with, with Oliver at the end and, and correcting him to let him know before then that she has a very, uh, father daughter relationship with, with Wildcat. Uh, she ex- expresses some, some pretty strong emotion in that as well. And, uh, then when she thinks that Oliver's dead too. So it's, it's a roller coaster of emotion that she has to express. And I did not at any point in time feel like that she, uh, she was out of, you know, in, out of her depth in any of the, any of the scenes. And I feel like she, and she and Mr. Schreiner have a, have a pretty good chemistry together. Um, you know, his, his dialogue at time is a little, could be a little choppy, I think, but for the most part, I think that they have a, a very strong chemistry together. And we know that that continues uh, throughout this series as we get additional episodes with featuring the two of them uh, it, together. So um, yeah, very, very strong performances from, from both of them. But, uh, but uh, she, she definitely has the lion's share and, and does, does a fantastic job. I think. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, just everything we've uh, we've just talked about is it's it's a great uh, showcase for her ability and um yeah for for all those reasons that we've talked about i uh, i went ahead and gave voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10 <laughs> that's awesome uh i will say that i think my favorite line um is uh comes in the very opening scene uh where she she comes up to green arrow in the in the in the uh, training room and asks him if he's quote happy punching the bag or if he wants to try to go a few rounds with her and then she goes <laughs> i'm talking about sparring and he goes yeah that sounds good too like <laughs> how do they get that beyond standards and practices i don't know it's one of those one of those hey pudding you you want to rev up your harley or you know <laughs> you want to want to try my pie yes all the har- other harley lines it's like how how did these get past the the standards and practices people uh very very funny but uh yeah i also gave a voice acting a perfect 10 out of 10 for that reason very strong uh, as we as we often sing her praises and it's international women's month here women's history month we just passed international women's day uh we would be remiss not to recognize not only the the actresses that have been fantastic in the series but the great andrea romano who is responsible for the voice casting and getting the the performances uh, out of these actors and actresses uh, that are just timeless and that create that atmosphere and the things that we often talk about when reading a comic book or when we are comparing this, uh, when we see the next performance of Green Arrow or Black Canary in an animated film that we will 
oftentimes compare those performances to these performances because of how how strong and iconic they are so uh more we can never give enough praise i think for for andrea romano and and the work of that she did and especially in voice casting and and getting the performances out of the actors absolutely all right, Liam. Well, that will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode. And after I have tallied everything up here, I end up with a very impressive 35 out of 40 for this week. What about you? Yeah, and I am just a tick lower, or a couple ticks lower, actually. I came to a final score of 32 out of 40. All right. Well, I guess it is time to talk about rewatchability as we always do, Liam. Uh, where do you land as far as this one is concerned? Uh, some threads here to continue on later in the show, uh, but nothing I don't think that necessarily shakes the foundations of the DCAU. Where do you land on as far as rewatchability for this one? I would say yes, because, uh, you know, the Green Arrow, Black Canary romance is like this, like, it's an iconic one in comics. Um, and I think seeing the origins of it in this universe, especially because these characters come back as a duo, as a couple later on in the series, I would say, yeah. I mean, as far as like the big tent pole moments is seeing Green Arrow and Black Canary's first, uh, first interaction that, you know, important in the grand scale of DCAU continuity, probably not, but I think, that giving us a little bit of an origin that we, we, we sort of see him, we see, we, uh, as with green arrows sort of see black canary for the first time at the end of initiation, they sort of, uh, establish that he's been kind of, uh, seeing her around, so to speak, he's kind of been admiring her for a while now. And then to kind of see that thread continue here is as they have their first interactions and, and sort of hit it off. I, I, w- I would give this uh, the the old one thumb up for rewatchability. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's a fair assessment. I think because this is linked to one of my favorite, if not my favorite episode of Justice League Unlimited of all time, uh, which is Double Date, which comes into play later on. Obviously, this sets that uh, that episode up very well. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot of, lot of, as you said, tying this sort of from that initial sort of perv ball moment that Green Arrow has in the initial in, in initiation where he's got his eye on Black Canary to sort of getting to this point where he has his first one-on-one interaction with her and introduction to her, uh, just sort of tying that together. As you said, it's an iconic romance in not only the DC universe, but now because of the exposure of the of the Arrowverse on, on the CW, it's sort of in the, in the public eye, it's sort of across the entire superhero uh, universe. I think there it's a, it's a pretty uh, in, in the, uh, in the public knowledge as far as romances between superheroes are concerned. So yeah, I think taking a look at the DCAU version of that one is, is sort of important. Uh, And it's a, it's a great story. It's not, obviously it doesn't really impact. It's not a Cadmus arc. It's, it's not going to impact you if you skip it. But if you're looking for 22 minutes of fun, some good action, good storytelling, and you're looking for something that's sort of out of the ordinary, not featuring those original seven, you just want a good story that features some of those B and C list characters. I think this is your jam. Agreed. All right. 
Well, that will wrap us up for this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. We are on Anchor, and therefore we are on probably every other one of those podcast apps that you listen to. Uh, If your podcast app that you listen listen to us on allows you to leave a review, five stars or just a little note as Apple Podcasts seems to do, we would love for you to do that. Uh, Even if you you've already done so apple apparently lets you just leave as many reviews as you want to uh (laughs) so we would not turn down a second or third or fifth review from you if you are feeling generous so uh share share the uh share the review if you'd like uh give us five stars if you feel like we've earned it don't forget also if you want to support the podcast uh, you can check us out uh go to our website at dcaureview.com click on the store tab uh that'll take you to our website pick yourself up a hat shirt a sweatshirt, a mug. Uh, you got some stickers on there. You can support the podcast by doing so. Don't forget, you can also check out the podcast weekly uh, on YouTube if you're a podcast listener and you can head on over there. We are part of the Pod Tower uh which just uh, launched, well, soft launched over the last month or so. You can also listen to some other content from other great DCAU uh, content creators, including our friends at Tim Talk and the very knowledgeable Watchtower database boys over there as well. So uh, with that said, now comes the time, Liam, where we are going to preview our next episode. And we have something uh, a little different next week. That's right. So uh, as we mentioned up top, this is 149. Uh, Next week is 150, which maybe isn't the biggest milestone, but it feels pretty important. It's one of them. The bicentennial episode. Yes. I don't think that actually works, but uh, sure. That's 150 years. We have not been doing this show for 150 years. uh, (laughs) Regardless, regardless, uh, we have been doing this show, uh, actually done more than 150 episodes, if you include our our bonus episodes. But the 150th edition of our regular Saturday show, um, we wanted to do something kind of fun and interesting. And that is kind of to do a, uh, it's not going to be a clip show, but it will sort of be a best of show where we look back at our favorite things that we have reviewed in the first 149 episodes. And Cal, we may even have some special inductions into the top pick sections that uh, from our earlier reviews, even if they didn't quite meet that 37 uh, out of 40 threshold that is usually required there. If there are some standout episodes, either for importance or just that we personally love and, and feel deserve to be in there. We're going to be discussing that and just sort of, like we said, uh, talking about some of our other favorite episodes and moments and shows and movies that we have reviewed up to this point. And that will all be next week on the 150th episode of the DCAU Review. I cannot wait. It is going to be loads of fun. Looking forward to doing that one with you as I do every single week but especially that episode Liam it's gonna be gonna be a ton of fun Uh, but until then I'm Cal and I'm Liam and we will talk to you in the next episode of the DCAU review bye bye